0: Welcome once again to Leto's Law. Here's Steve Leto. Got a story here that happened in Canada, but it could have happened here, and you'll understand why in a second. Max sent me, thanks a lot. From British Columbia, uh, The Timescolonist.com is who ran the story, and Louise Dixon wrote it. Car dealership appeals $5.5 million award to a woman critically injured when she was struck by a vehicle. The dealership is being sued, but it makes sense. The woman suffered a catastrophic brain injury back in 2018, And the same crash killed her sister. Now, they were not in the vehicle in question. That's part of it. Car dealership is appealing the decision by the B.C. Supreme Court that awarded $5.5 million to a woman critically injured when a new Jeep struck her on a road in 2018 near the dealership. So the man who was driving the Jeep lost consciousness, crossed the center line, and struck the two women, who are sisters. They're out walking their dogs after having dinner with their mother. So the man who was driving the vehicle was convicted of impaired driving and dangerous driving causing death and bodily harm, and he got three and a half years in prison. So he got three and a half years in prison for how he was driving that vehicle, but the dealership is the one that got hit with the bulk of this award in this case. So what happened was the woman who survived filed the lawsuit, in February of 2022, against the driver, the dealership, and a woman who had signed an agreement to buy the Jeep, because this Jeep was involved in a sales transaction, and it was unclear at the moment of the accident as to who exactly owned it. And this is something that right now every dealership across Canada, and presumably in North America, ought to be taking a look at. Because you could get stuck with something like this if you're not careful with when you let vehicles leave your lot before the transactions are completed. The B.C. Court of Appeal began hearing the case in Victoria recently, and the issue in the civil case was which of the defendants was liable. The court found that the driver was negligent and that the car dealership was the owner of the vehicle, therefore vicariously liable and responsible for paying the $5.5 million in damages. During the civil case, the court heard that a woman went to the dealership on August 18, 2018, and signed an agreement to buy the Jeep. The dealership applied to a lending company for financing. The financing was not approved that day, but an employee took the plates off of the woman's car and put them on the Jeep. They told the woman she could take the Jeep home until the financing was approved. Then she could return to the dealership to finalize the documents. So as you can imagine, if you take a snapshot of that moment in time, financing's not in place, documents not finalized, who owns the Jeep? The dealership does. So the dealership continued to communicate with the lending company for the next nine days. At the end of the ninth day, the man, who was the driver of the vehicle, was at the home of the buyer's partner's mother when he was handed the keys and asked to run an errand. So somebody goes, hey, can you run to the store for us here? Here's the keys. Go run an errand for us. Here are the keys to that Jeep. So the judge found that the woman did not own the Jeep because she never got the financing and those papers were never finalized. So the court found that the woman was a weak, vulnerable party in the purchase negotiations and therefore at a disadvantage in the contracting practice. And the judge said he found the transaction was unconscionable and thus not binding on her. And here's one of those interesting things. I've I've encountered so many people who told me that they went to a dealership and they were jerked around. They spent like a day there. When they left, some of the papers were done, some of them weren't done. And the person goes, I want out. and you can't get out. You, 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 you're bound to this agreement now. Well, then why don't I have all my paperwork? You know, and, and so a lot of dealerships will tell you that once you've started the process to buy the car, you're kind of like in. You cannot get out. You're, 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 you've got one foot in the quicksand. You, you ain't getting out of there, okay? St. Gilligan's Island, the quicksand is serious here. <laughs> car dealership argued that they're not liable because they didn't own the car. And they said the contract with the buyer was completed. Well, if the contract was only completed upon payment or financing being in place, then it wasn't her car. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. So the lawyer representing the victims maintains that the car dealership was the owner of the vehicle because there was no completed contract. And so the woman was in the intensive care unit at Victoria General Hospital for a month and spent almost a year in the hospital in total, paralyzed on one side. She now lives in a long-term care facility. At the time of the crash, she was 48 years old and worked as a bookkeeper. So she suffered very, very serious injuries, being hit by a driver who passed out in a vehicle and plowed into her and her sister out walking their dogs. And her sister's gone, but she survived, but with grievous injuries. And so this is one of those cases That would make anybody stop and pause if you sell cars for a living. And I've bought a lot of cars in my life, but I've also looked at thousands, not hundreds, not dozens, thousands of car purchase transactions. I've seen the paperwork for thousands of transactions. Every single Lemon Law claim that I examine, people bring into my office all the documents. Purchase agreement, repair orders, financing agreement, all that doc- all those documents are necessary. I look at all of them. I've seen so many of them. I've got half of them memorized, okay? And the weird part is how often it happens where strange things happen with the paperwork. And usually, it's because the financing isn't in place. So you go into a dealership. It's 5 o'clock on a Friday. And they go, we can get you into this car. You sign a bunch of papers. And they go, oh, we haven't got the financing yet. Well, I thought you said I was approved. I, I thought you were approved. A uh, guy at the bank said you you were probably approved, uh, and when I called back just now, he said they're still looking at it. So what does that mean? Well, it means that you're probably approved. you'll You'll probably find out Monday. So what happens now? You got to come back Monday. And that's what a dealership should do in a situation like that. However, if they're worried about you getting up and walking out and calling an attorney maybe, Uh, they might say, oh, how about this? We'll slap a dealer plate on it. You can drive it home. Bring it back on Monday. And, of course, with a dealer plate on it, well, (laughs) that would make it real easy. Now, in this case, they put her plate on it. But that's a little different. And, again, I don't know how it works in Canada. But in America, in a lot of states, dealerships can handle the paperwork to plate a car. And some dealerships actually have plates on the premises, meaning that, If you get a brand new plate, they go and pull one out of the stock and go, here, here's a brand new plate. They put it on for you. And some dealerships don't have the plates in stock, but they have a paper temporary tag that goes in the window. But at that point, you presume the car is yours. But in this case, they took her plate off of the old car, stuck it on the new car. Did they submit the paperwork to the government to indicate that now these plates are on this vehicle, not this vehicle? Because that's the kind of thing a court will look at. And and believe it or not, I've litigated the issue of who owns this car. And I have one story in my mind that I'm thinking of, but it's way too convoluted for me to get into here. But there was an argument as to who owned a car. And my client said he owned it, and the other side said they owned it. And so one of the things you will discover in many states, including Michigan, is they'll say that ownership... Uh, is a concept that is much more complicated than the average person thinks it is. So a lot of stuff like this right here, okay, this is my new symbol for the widget. This right here in my hands is a thing. It's an object. There's no title to this in terms of a piece of paper filed in Lansing. There's no UCC1 financing statement filed anywhere. This is just something I bought. I possess it. It is mine, okay? If I wanted to prove I owned it, I could show you documentation that I bought it, believe it or not. And uh, I could also show you photographs of me wearing these uh, on camera every single day for about the last year and a half, that kind of thing. And it would be pretty easy to see uh, these are most likely mine. And I think a jury would buy that, that these are mine. So a car, however, how do you prove who owns a car? Well, the best evidence usually is a certificate of title because that means that somebody who purported to own it previously signed off on a document saying, I am now transferring title to this person. And then a new title gets issued in this person's name. And so you go, oh, okay, I've got this piece of paper that says I own it. But that's not the be-all and end-all of it. Among other things, if you lost that piece of paper, you still own it. But you go, yeah, but Steve, there's a record in Lansing. You get a copy of it. Oh, that's true. You can. You can. But what if, what if for instance, that the seller signs a piece of paper over to me, they hand it to me, and they go, here, you file this. And um, on the way home, the paper gets lost. And by the way, the seller disappears. Who owns the car? And I've seen people try to make the argument, well, no, you don't own it then because you never titled it. I paid for it. I took possession of it. And the seller took all steps necessary to transfer title to me. I own it. I might have a hard time proving it, but I do own it. And so they'll often refer to ownership as a bundle of rights, a bundle of rights, meaning that it might be more than one thing that shows that you own the vehicle. And it might be more than one thing that you can do with the thing to prove that you own it, okay? And so in this case, what really hurts them is the fact that they are negotiating the purchase and they say the final part is going to be this financing, final part. So the financing doesn't come together the way it should and they say, okay, you can just take the car until this financing happens. And when you come back, you can finalize the documents. And so you have to ask yourself at that moment in time who owned the car. And if you say, Steve, I'm, I'm going to go devil's advocate on you here and, and say that she owns the car. Okay, she does not have to come back and finish documents then, does she? Well, of course she's got to come back and finish documents. Otherwise, the dealership won't get paid. Well, if there's no promise in place for her to pay, could she own that vehicle? And of course she doesn't. She doesn't. And so all that happened here was a dealership took a a risk, a chance, uh, on a a really, really long shot. What are the odds that something crazy is going to happen in the nine days she's got the car? What are the odds she's going to toss the keys to somebody who's going to pass up behind the wheel, kill one person, maim another, and go to prison for it? What are the odds of that happening? (laughs) Well, it happened. Okay? So it's a crazy case. But the outcome makes complete sense. And despite the fact that it happened in BC, it could have happened anywhere in Canada and pretty much anywhere in America. Because I hear about stories like this all the time where dealerships do things like this. And I say, well, dealership, uh, we're working on the financing. Uh, we haven't got it yet, but I've worked with this guy a million times. I know it's going to go through. But it's five o'clock on a Friday. You know it's something? I don't want the vehicle anymore. I've changed my mind. No, no, you can't change your mind. It's yours now. It's yours now. And in fact, tell you what, we'll slap a dealer plate on it, you drive it home, bring it back Monday. But the dealer plate there would save you. But if you said, I'll slap your plate on it for you, <laughs> you might have problems. So there you go. Max, thanks for sending it from timescolonist.com. Louise Dixon wrote it. Car dealership appeals $5.5 million award to woman critically injured when she was struck by a vehicle. Of course, I'll point out to you that the good news is that's $5.5 million Canadian. And I'm not making fun of Canadian money, by the way. Uh, I used to say that from time to time, and people would get upset. Simply pointing out that Canadian dollars are different than American dollars. They just are. Questions or comments, put them below. Otherwise, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Guilt, the gift that keeps on giving.